LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid, practical, gospel-centered ministry tip every week. Welcome to the show. We are partway through a whole series on church planting models, and it's been uh, interesting sort of to hear from different planters about their experience. And in some ways, it's sort of a, even though you've got a model, it's helpful to see that there's not sort of one size fits all. So we've already interviewed Scott Curtis uh, as a campus planner, and today we're going to be talking with Paul Shearley from Albury Presbyterian Church, which is a regional uh, town on the border between New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, and they have a multi-site model as well, uh, and they've got a Presbyterian governance model. So it's going to be really interesting sort of unpacking that and thinking in that today. Are you excited about today's episode, Derek? Yeah, I was just reflecting that, uh, you know, often we do think of church being like tracksuit pants. You know, you put tracksuit pants on at Christmas. And I'm not allowed to wear tracksuit pants anymore. Is that right? Yeah, my wife uh, banned me from tracksuit pants. <laughs> what happened with them? Look... I don't know, really. I don't know. It's a comp. My wife and tracksuit pants is complex. I think she just doesn't think they're appropriate to wear around the house. Like like speedos. Again, not appropriate to wear at the beach. Like they were banned as well. I used to wear tracksuit pants with footy socks pulled over the top bottom of them. I think it might have been because I went for tracksuit pants that were sort of those those in between ones, you know, to sort of tight around the tight around the top part of the leg and the, or tight around the bottom part of the leg around the calf, and then they get looser at the top. You know, they sort of. Anyway, they're banned. I'm not allowed to wear them. I'm, yeah, I'm regretting raising tracksuit pants now. So how are they like tracksuit pants? Well, I think sometimes we think church planning models are like that. You just wear a set of tracksuit pants. It doesn't matter how big you are, they just stretch for you. But actually, it's more like a well-tailed suit. That's exactly what church planning models are like, well-tailed suits. Well, you have pressed play on another episode, and we are going to get into this topic. Uh, thinking about multi-site and the model, and we're going to hear from Paul Shearley, who, as I've said, is one of the pastors down at Albury Presbyterian Church. So let's hear from him. So uh, married to Margie, we have five adult children and two grandsons. Uh, I'm one of the pastors at Albury Presbyterian Churches, uh, and I particularly pastor uh, Fresh Start Church, which meets in the Albury TAFE in the centre of uh, okay, well, history goes back to when um, I was pastoring in Dubbo. Uh, and so the other pastor and I, Bryson Smith, we'd gone to a, a church planning conference in Sydney with Bill Hybels. This is many, many, many years ago. Um, and I can't remember what it was about the conference, but on the drive home to Dubbo, so five and a half hours, we just started dreaming and scheming. And by the time we arrived home, we had this plan of reorganizing what we had as church services into interdependent uh, churches uh, and we took that to the elders after a week or so and then we sort of reorganized there and in fact it was because some of the guys from Albury had visited Dubbo Church on a mission uh, when they had a vacancy in Albury they took the time to think well do how do we want to structure ourselves and they liked that idea and so that's really why they called me to come to Albury and join the team there. The, the beauty of the model um, is that it allows uh, churches of a smaller size with a, with a, who are very relational, have lots of contact with their pastor, uh, to operate but still not be isolated. They're then linked to these other churches that are meeting you know, very closely in, the, in this shared network. Sort of the, the sort of plumb lines, if you like, that we have is one church, one pastor, 
Uh, we think about growing big by staying small. And so the, the key thing to realize is we're not just wanting um, a couple of smaller churches. We want those churches to be multiplying. So it, it is a strategy for growth. And I think particularly in rural uh, settings, multiplying smaller churches is a really great way of uh, attempting to reach. That's changed a number of times. So there's a lot of, you know, positively you could call it flexibility. Negatively, you could say disorganization. <laughs> but at the moment, um, uh, our Fresh Start Church, which meets in the morning, and our Faguna Church, which meets on Sunday afternoon, we share uh, the teaching program. And so, and the two churches which meet in, meet in Wagga Road, our building, they share the same teaching program. Uh, the goal is that I would preach in my church um, slightly more than half of the Sundays. And I would share that with Mike Wong, who's the pastor of Thaguna Church. Uh, and uh, each of us, though, preach four Sundays in the other, the other preaching stream, if you like. So I will preach this year in Wagga Road four times. Now, Derek, it's really interesting hearing Paul talk there. What, what sort of stuck out for you? Well, they are partly the model with Presbyterianism. Like, that's obviously shaped how they've... Their ecclesiology has shaped how they've thought through what they do. Um, but the relationships within that network that they've got, they, they are more collectively minded. Uh, they do have a high trust of each other. Um, and there's obviously been things that have happened where uh, they've had to sit down and have some pretty robust discussions in order to work out how it is together uh, they move forward for the gospel. And I suspect part of that has been as well. Some At some point they thought, are we better off separately? And they've decided, no, no, we're actually better together. Let's work it out. Now, in some ways, the sort of the the presbytery model, you know, the presbytery being a collection of uh, churches with elders who come together regularly to speak about the whole region and also to speak into each other's churches it provides another layer of accountability for the local church, but it also provides the ability to actually reach out to a whole region. If if you're in a presbytery that's that's thinking evangelism, that is uh, thinking about how might we actually reach this whole group of people that we've been sort of given. Um, oversight for that's where I think Presbyterian governance, you know, sort of works best. They've they've kind of adopted that at a local church level and split their congregations or see, seen their congregations as uh, churches themselves. So in 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 one of their sites, my understanding is that they actually have two congregations meeting on the same site, but they would see them as separate churches. So yeah. it's it's not I I go to the ten a.m. service or I go to the six p.m. service uh, like a multi congregational church would think but actually this is my church i'm committed to this group of people i'm committed to serving in this you know church week in week out so it's interesting in that is this is the multi-site model that they've got going but it's a it's a quite a different variant of um hunter bible church's multi-site model that that we've discussed previously in that there are shared services here but the dna is is implemented differently in this model that is each service can look different they can do their own thing. And while they share resources across and support across, actually you could go to one congregation and another congregation and not necessarily uh, recognise the similarities between them, even though there's commonality. Because the beauty of the multi-site model is that sort of consistency. You know, you get the ability just to sort of, you know, not paint by numbers, so to speak, but roll out the same the same service. You know, where I saw some examples I saw in the, in the United States of the larger multi-site churches, you know, there was a there was a precision sort of timing, you know, to each gathering, uh, for example, in terms of the Sunday service. There was a, 
an ownership of we're all going to be teaching the same thing, you know, and doing that in our small groups and doing that on Sunday gatherings. Uh, there is greater flexibility in this model, uh, and I and I think again both both have been pursued for you know missional you know missional purposes. Uh, the consistent approach has been pursued because actually we reckon we could start you know and launch campuses faster if we you know do the same thing in these places because they're very you know they're fairly similar. The inconsistent has also been done with a view to saying actually we want to reach out to this community in Albury and and we think that actually having a separate you know church you know, constituted act will, will help us do that better. And the thing that holds it together, um, well, there's probably a number of things, but one of the things that does hold it together, as Paul touched on, is the relationships. There's a high trust in each other. There is a commitment to each other to working through the tensions that are inevitably going to arise for the good of the gospel as a whole. Now, let's pause there for a moment. Uh, let's go back to Paul. He's going to talk a little bit about um, uh, why they went down this uh, strategy of, of growing big by growing small. One church, one pastor. Uh, we think about growing big by staying small. And so the, the key thing to realise is we're not just wanting um, a couple of smaller churches. We want those churches to be multiplying. So it, it is a strategy for growth. And I think particularly in rural uh, settings, multiplying smaller churches is a really great way of uh, attempting to reach. Alrighty, so that's Paul. His strategy for growth was rather than trying to build one large hub, one massive hub, and then send out spokes, um, their growth is centred around smaller hubs, uh, smaller spokes. There's a, there's, a whole, there's a whole lot to sort of comment and think about in this. You know, one of them is the reality that the, the complexity of running a large church is, is actually quite complex and quite hard, and there's not a lot of leaders that can pull it off. Um, and so, you know, so this model allows for a greater number of people to be you know, involved or to, to be able to bring in to the system. Can I dig into that for a second? Because that's an interesting one. So, the if you if you do have an eight hundred person um, eight hundred person church uh, managing three other campuses, the person in charge sitting at the top of that does need to be unique, uniquely gifted, don't they? So you need to find someone who can both run an eight hundred person church as well as manage the complexity of the hubs. Um, yeah, so and part of that's having that the vision. Part of that's the ability to actually draw and gather a team of other you know high capacity individuals and you know and keep and keep them together. Again, I think in this context, um, the you know the Presbyterian sort of plural eldership model you know has meant that you don't necessarily need to have big personalities and, and you don't need to have one you know person in charge, but you have got a group of um, elders who are all committed and sold out to this uh, vision for you know for reaching out to. The town, you know, the the, the region of, of Albury, and a high relational now. So I think in this in this model they're saying here. Uh, what did you think around um, when I was? We've been talking to Paul. We've known Paul for a while, and the model they've been doing there. And Mike Wong, um, we we know quite well. I'm wondering whether the growing big by growing smaller model particularly lends itself as well to a rural context. But I wonder as well within city spaces as well where. It's hard to come by locations. Whether that might also be a model that used in the city. What do you think? Yeah, and so it's it's context driven. But you've, I mean, you talked about facilities. I think facilities and finding a location are uh, are really hard in the country. They're also really hard in the city as well. And uh, we, 
we haven't been building big, you know, big spaces. So even the, you know, the building sort of revolution of, of Rudd's uh, era built a whole bunch of small halls. You know, they only house sort of 200 and maybe 250 um, capacity. You know, with a whole bunch of small kids, they're actually, they work perfectly. They're designed for purpose, but they're not designed for actually larger community spaces. So in, in many ways, uh, growing big by growing small is, is driven by a context. But I think as well, the idea of actually having individual churches, um, individual church communities, you know, is a real, it's a real key, um, ecle- you know, it's part of their ecclesiology, it's part of their DNA of who they are. So, so having local congregations who see themselves as one church and one family of, of churches is, is really vital in that. And you know who your pastor is and yeah, each yeah. week. Yeah, each week. So, so again, that's a, it's an, it's again, another understanding of, Church leader as shepherd, church leader as pastor. Uh, again, we've we've seen you know two different models where you don't necessarily need to have a pastor knowing you know knowing his sheep, uh, but the this church family has decided to go down that route. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's pause for a second. Hear from Paul about how they do their teaching across the churches. That's changed a number of times. So there's a lot of you know positively you could call it flexibility. Negatively, you could say disorganisation. <laughs> but at the moment, um, uh, our Fresh Start Church, which meets in the morning, and our Faguna Church, which meets on Sunday afternoon, we share uh, the teaching program. And so, and the two churches which meet in, meet in Wagga Road, our building, they share the same teaching program. Uh, the goal is that I would preach in my church um, slightly more than half of the Sundays. And I would share that with Mike Wong, who's the pastor of Thaguna Church. Uh, and uh, each of us, though, preach four Sundays in the other the other preaching stream, if you like. So I will preach this year in Wagga Road four times. Now, I think that's really interesting. I, I think this is an area that can cause, uh, you know, a lot of conflicting teams. And, and you know, what's the rule? Now, the, the reality is I don't think there is one rule, but you need to work out, you know, how do you share teaching series? Do you share teaching series? Why do you think it causes conflict in teams? Oh, I think because a lot of people see the role of the pastor as the preacher. And so um, if you're seeing that as part of your identity, um, then being told that actually we're going to have a teaching pastor who's going to do predominant teaching across you know, all these campuses. And you know, in some models, that might mean uh, we're going to do that by recording, you know, recording one or two weeks and you'll actually just play that... Um, you know, play that sermon series, or we're going to facilitate this by uh, ensuring that the teaching pastor on that day, we get them in a car and we, you know, run around them for, for the whole day, then I think it can create conflict, especially if you want to be in your church gathering, you know, and, and be a part of the post and the pre. That's going to be very hard if, say, you've got four or five teaching slots through the day. You're not going to be able to do a lot of, you know, morning team, morning tea time. So I think that's part of it. It's the, the, the pastor as preacher. Um, is a key part of it as well. I think as well you you do you know you do know your flock, and so to hand that over, that responsibility over to someone else, to hand that teaching responsibility over to someone else, is is hard to do as well. So there's just that reality that you you know you want to speak to your people as much as possible. So what Paul's done there again, what Albury Presbyterians done there is they do have a uh, for the most part the congregation does the majority of the pre the congregational pastor does. The majority of the preaching there, you know, so they have pastor preacher as a model. There is some shared independence, so you can see uh, with 
Thaguna and Fresh Start, so they're, they're two sort of newest churches, they have some sharing of teaching uh, series. Uh, at Hunter Bible Church, uh, they have predominantly sort of one teaching pastor uh, through most of you know most of the church campuses. And so one of the questions they're going to have as they continue to grow is how do we you know how do we replicate that? And so they they're going to need to move towards potentially you know two more full time teaching pastors as they um, as they grow the number of campuses. Or they might even think about video campusing. Who who knows? Uh, uh, but it's a area that you need to be thinking about. Okay. Just lastly, we're going to hear from Paul on um, how it is they're replicating. So let's hear from him now. I think it works because you, you're only you're, um, your churches are always smaller family-sized churches, um, which I think suits the rural setting. There's a uh, there's a level of contact with each pastor which you you maintain. Also, just in that you know that church size dynamic thing, you actually never reach a, a number on Sunday gatherings where you need a level of professionalism, mm. which in a country town is harder to reach. So we can still get away with a couple of guitars and some bad singers, and that's okay because we're a family-sized church. So part of their strategy is in order to replicate their churches and so how they're doing it by growing big, by growing small, is having lots of churches around the place what's his reasoning well it's it's less costly and and for me that that's why we pursued multi-site as a model there's a there's a real opportunity to launch strong and to launch more regularly once you build that sort of momentum and that dna and so uh you need to work out how to be able to send without you know killing killing the uh the mother church so just a simple rule of thumb is generally uh you want to be able to send out 10 percent and for, and to have that not hurt the um, the mother church. So generally, we would you know we would argue uh, or encourage churches to be um, getting to a size where they can carve off thirty uh, to fifty people and have that not impact uh, the sending church. Now, in a regional context like this, that that means and and has meant you know smaller launch teams. Uh, in a city context uh, and a larger you know sending campus, uh, I'd be encouraging you to be sending more, particularly. Particularly if the service that you're trying to replicate has a lot, you know, a lot of bells and whistles. So it's got a, a larger music program. It's got a kids program. It actually requires a lot more to sort of pull off the the Sunday gathering. Um, so you need to be thinking about what you're replicating. And often a larger launch team is needed if if you've got a you know a, a more complex sort of gathering. And the leader you're going to need with that, as Paul says, uh, you need to be a generalist. That's what you are, because the the model that they're using there is it is pastor who is a teacher over that congregation. So they are essentially going to be running not an autonomous church, but an interdependent church. But they do need to be a generalist in their skills, um, even while there'll be some things they share across the network for it. Now, Scott, uh, what's the one thing when you're thinking about this type? This is a variant of multi-site. What's the one thing you think people should be taking away and, or digging into when it comes to this? There's no one size fits all for multi-site. Uh, do you know? Do your research, read your books, uh, think about your context and the leaders and the people that you have, and your vision for reaching that region, and ask the hard questions as you set up your first campus. Excellent. Well, if you have liked what you've heard here today, head over to iTunes and like or comment on there. Check out our other partners, our podcasts from the Lifeway Podcast Network. They're excellent. 
Anyway, keep listening. We're going to keep exploring some planning models um, over the next few weeks as we wind up this series. But uh, that's all from us now. I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Scott Sanders. Shout out to you.